Our first reading this second Sunday after Christmas is from 1 Kings in the third chapter. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give you. Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word, Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, and that no, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke. And behold, it was a dream. And then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading this day from Ephesians in the first chapter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise 
of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise in honor of the gospel. Our gospel this evening from Luke's gospel in the second chapter. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was twelve years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we hear of all the questions that Mary and Joseph had, and we have many questions of our own. We pray, Lord, that this time, as you have gathered us together around your word, that you work by your Spirit. Open our ears and hearts to receive your word. And as many questions as we may bring, that you would bring answers fit in the time needed. And be with us during this time, as you point us ever to Christ. In his name we pray. Amen sounds odd to start a sermon off this way, but I had a meteorology class in college. And I was thinking about this class as uh, we go into this new year, uh, because the thing the teacher always used to say was, as much as you may look at meteorology, and you, as much as you may pay attention to the weather and wonder what the next day is going to look like, I want to let you know that it's mostly going to be like today. If we look at 2022, maybe that's not a great thing. Maybe it is. I don't know. But as the days continue on, we kind of remember that a lot of our days end up looking kind of like the days we just had. odd part about that is that a lot of the days we just had are filled with a lot of questions. Still. And as we enter this new year, we're filled with a lot of questions as well. What's this month going to look like? What's the year going to look like? What is going to come of this year? Are things going to be easier? Are they going to be harder? Are there going to be blessings in this year? Are there going to be more things that we have to deal with during this year? And it's hard to wrap our head around all those questions because many of those questions we really don't have answers to. And unanswered questions are often uncomfortable hard to deal with. 
And think of all the questions that you have. Um, first off, think about when you had questions 40 years ago, 30 years ago, because I know many of you aren't over 30. So think of all the questions that you had many, many years ago. How would you answer them? How would you deal with them? Do you ponder them for a while? Do you call a friend? Talk about them over dinner? Now, how do you answer questions? How long do you wait before the phone comes out and we start typing in to find the answer of a question? How long do we sit and think about it? How long do we wait to really ponder our questions? Where do we go for answers? As a kid, I sounds odd, but I was really excited one year because my parents bought an encyclopedia set. Um, I had fun this morning telling the young kids that an encyclopedia set was the internet printed on pages. And so we have this encyclopedia set, and it was a place that you could go for answers. You had questions about things, about when something happened or where something happened, or who was a particular person in history. You could go to it. I mean, the downside was that if it had anything current, it was out of date by the time it was printed, and there was already new information, and so went the series of encyclopedias every few years or so as they would print new ones. But there was a trusted source that had been vetted by people that you could actually go to and find answers to questions so you weren't quite left in that uncomfortable state. Some of our questions are not answerable in an, in an encyclopedia by any means. Some of our questions about faith. Some of our questions about why things are the way they are in the world are very tough to wrap our head around and deal with. But we're not the only ones who have ever had questions. If you look within our text today, our gospel reading today, there are plenty of questions. And you see how Mary and Joseph, doing their regular rhythm of things and taking Jesus down to the temple and then leaving there as they normally would after the Passover feast, and they're out in the fields, then the questions begin for them. Where is Jesus? Who is he with? What family member did he stick around with? And for us, the questions start to ponder. We start to ponder some questions as well. How could Mary, the mother of the Son of the Most High, this gift that was given to her, lose him? How could mom lose this child I mean, after 12 years worth of raising this boy maybe her guard was let down a little bit maybe they just really didn't worry about it all that much because the two of them knew that the kid were with family as they made that four-day journey from jerusalem all the way up to nazareth it was just a moment in time where mom and dad kind of let him be. We have different standards with our kids now. I mean, think about the first child if you've had more than one. The first child you devote every moment and time and attention to. Okay. Second child, maybe not quite as much. The third child, you're thankful if they have shoes on at some point in the day and whether or not they've got like a shirt on. You know, And you just kind of roll with it and it's much looser with that third one. Yet even at that, we still tend to have a pretty tight rein compared to days in which you'd be traveling with many, many people and just trust that your kids were among family. You know. 
But the questions still kind of percolate, and we wonder. Now, as they got back to the temple, Mary and Joseph come in, and we hear it from Mary's voice. Why have you treated us so? Why have you stayed here? How come you didn't follow? We've been searching for you in great distress three days of wondering where their child is, night, sleepless, trying to figure out where Jesus is. And the first thing he does is what he's learned in the temple. Answer a question with two more questions. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I needed to be amongst my father's things? Depending on the translation, my father's business, my father's house, my father's doing. Didn't you know that I needed to be here amongst all this? Then you almost start to wonder. A question that might have been on Mary's mind. How is it that my child is the son of the Most High? And think about what that would mean for her as they leave that place and she's pondering these events and these words that her son has just said. What does it mean as she starts to look at this child and really start to think about the words he's saying at 12 about being amongst his father's business? Remember, it was 13 years earlier or so that the angel Gabriel had visited her and said, your son is going to be the Messiah, the salvation of the world. You're going to name him Jesus because that means God saves. And now as a child is getting old enough to start questions, and not just questions, but amaze the teachers and rabbis of the temple. Astound them with his understanding. What does it mean? For Mary's child to be the son of the Most High. It would be a hard question to wrap our head around. For us, it's almost a little bit different because we're used to Jesus kind of going off and doing his own thing. We're used to Jesus doing the abnormal. That's what we read about in Scripture. For us, the question is flip. What does it mean that the Son of the Most High is a child? What does it mean that the Son of God took on flesh to live as us? What does it mean that this deity that was there at creation took upon himself his own creation to bear its sin in all of its dirtiness and brokenness? What does it mean that this God became human? It's a hard one for us to wrestle with. We can't necessarily wrap our head around it all that much because we look at that and we have a tough time seeing that we deserve any bit of that love of God. And where do we go to ask these questions? A lot of the biblical questions, you run to your pastor. That's great. Thank you. I'm glad that you do. But I've got to be honest as well. There's usually two answers you get from it. Probably the one that I've said a whole bunch of times because it just always seems to work in the past. Or I just tell you that the mysteriousness of God is something that we can't fathom, which is also a cop-out. Sometimes it's true because there are, that is a true answer to some questions. More often than not, though, if I were to be honest, those questions are going to get an answer of, I don't know. And I know that's not a comfortable answer. I know you want to know. So do I. 
But there are questions that are going to leave us uncomfortable. And there's things that we're not going to be able to answer this side of heaven. Especially as we start pondering why is there evil in the world or why does God let so many bad things happen? And, and these are questions that take a lot of discussion. And we start to question, why does God love me? Why does God spend his time on earth to be with me? And that's a hard question to wrap our heads around at times. And we start to wonder whether or not it's an actually true thing. With all the questions that we're left with that are uncomfortable, we start to wonder, is the answer to that question even available? Yes, I can answer that one with certainty. That God does love you. And he's shown us that by taking our flesh upon himself. He has shown us that by living a perfect life and then dying with our sin upon his shoulders. He has shown us that by rising from the tomb and defeating death. He has shown us his love toward us by giving us all of that as a free and gracious gift. The fact that your sins are forgiven because God says so, which, by the way, is a perfectly valid answer for any parent who has had that question of a child and you didn't know what other answer to give them, decide, because I said so, it's because you had authority to say so. God has authority to tell you that your sins are forgiven. God has the authority to tell you that death is defeated. God has the authority to do all these things and has done them and accomplished them. And then says, by my word, I give it to you freely. I give it to you out of love and grace and mercy. It's not what you deserve by any means, but it's a gracious gift given to you anyway, not because of who you are, but because of who God has made you to be. As he loves you in Christ. As we enter into this new year with all kinds of questions that may rattle through our minds, please continue to ask the question. Know that sometimes they won't be answered, and I know it's uncomfortable, and sometimes they will be answered, and that may be just as uncomfortable. But the questions that we don't have to worry about are the ones of whether or not God has loved his creation. Yes, he has, with all certainty. And he has loved you and forgiven you in Christ. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us. And where our questions remain, we pray, Lord, that you would Bring an answer to them should you see fit. Otherwise, give us the peace and patience to wait until Christ comes back. And then, I know we're going to ask a lot. So we pray, Lord, during this time, that you lead us and guide us by your Spirit. Give us a confidence of faith that you have given us as a gift to trust in your promises and know that you have loved us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to rest.